Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Ranch Show on AM 770 KTTH. We are streaming live on all those smart speakers like Amazon Echo and Google Home. The Thurston County Sheriff is coming out swinging on soft on crime judges. We are here for it. And that is what's trending. What's trending? Crime. Now he's calling out the judges releasing suspected violent criminals without any kind of bail. Sheriff Derek Sanders is done. He is someone who likes to lead this way, make it very clear where he stands, point out the dangers of decisions, do his best to ensure his deputies protect and serve. But it's hard to do that when you've got judges who are working against you. Whether or not they see it that way doesn't matter. When you release people from jail without bail and they are dangerous, you are a threat. A significant threat. And so he wrote an open letter. He posted it on his Facebook page. And he said, look, if it's going to be about nonviolent suspects, okay, it's one thing. But you guys are releasing the non, the, the exceptionally violent ones. The ones, for example, a suspected, uh, a suspect who threatened to kill people, according to the Thurston County Sheriff's Department. He ended up getting shot while pointing a gun at deputies. The body cam footage was released a couple of weeks ago. I think I posted it on my Twitter feed. Now, that was down in Lacey. And it happened because the homeowner called 911 threatening to kill someone. He was going through something. The guy's wife and kids were inside at the time. And he comes to the door. He's got a pistol. He ends up pointing it at the deputy there. That's what they say, and you can watch the body cam footage. It's pretty clear. And then they ended up shooting him. Now, according to Sheriff Sanders, that guy was released by a judge without bail the second he was released from hospital, even though he had been convicted 14 times previously. All sorts of different crimes on his record. Convicted, not just merely charged or accused, convicted, domestic violence assaults, tampering with witnesses, burglary, violating protective orders. On top of that, according to the sheriff, speaking with Cairo 7 TV, he said, this dude has already failed to appear in court 21 times. How could you say it's reasonable to release this guy on his own personal recognizance. So focused on giving people who commit violent crimes a second chance. We're not really taking into account that their victims, they may not get that opportunity. Even if an order is put in place, orders are just pieces of paper. And this is a person who has, off the top of my head, I think three prior convictions and one pending case of violating an order. I mean, there's no evidence to suggest that this is a person who's going to comply with any of the conditions. They don't, they have a, a founded history of not complying what is the justification if you're wondering let me answer it for you uh there is none unless you don't believe that people belong in jail when they are violent or accused of being violent this is obviously a bad guy you don't have to look at this current issue you can look at his rap sheet this is not a safe person So why in the world would we release this person without 
any kind of bail. What could be the logical argument if not simply stating very clearly as a judge, you don't want to put people in jail. We have judges who are not very judgmental, at least not when it comes to criminals, criminal suspects. The folks on the radical left told us, they told us, they were clear about this. We want to dismantle the criminal justice system. Now, I took them seriously. I have an entire book about it. Some others didn't take them seriously, and now we're living with the consequences. Kudos to the sheriff for speaking up. I was thinking this the other day. I think I've said it on air before. We just happen to have some really great sheriffs in this region, or really just in Washington state. And I'm wondering if we could say that about most states. I don't know. Are we the outlier when it comes to sheriffs? But we have some great sheriffs, Adam Fortney, Ed Troyer. They're actually standing up and pushing back. And they're doing, frankly, what the media should be doing. Instead of reporting on what the sheriff said, why is the media not reporting on what the judge did? Why are we learning about this from Sheriff Sanders? Why? It's kind of silly, isn't it? Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending in Seattle? Bevmo in Ballard was hit two times in one week. More crash and grabs. Someone used a stolen car. They broke into the store twice just last week. The manager speaking with Como TV said that the folks there believe that they were targeted by the same suspects in both incidents. He thinks that because the thieves backed a car and took off with a very specific brand of alcohol, which they don't tell us what it is, and I'm very curious now. And that they showed up around the same time in both incidents indicates that, yeah, it's probably the same person or people. Now, Como spoke with a guy named Doc, who most definitely is a customer of BevMo, probably multiple times in the morning that this guy spoke to Como. I speculate, but I'm kidding. But, well, if you get hit once. You're likely to get hit twice. This is uh, terrible. I mean, we've got to get tough with the law and order. (laughs) I believe that this is, like, really weird and stuff. Like, why the people you're breaking in? I'm just getting line, and I want to get my beverage. I want Mo. And you're not letting me get Mo, Bev. Wait, why is Doc? Why did he turn into a teenage girl briefly in there? Because sometimes I'm not good at, at this stuff, and it's just sort of all morphs into one. Did anyone tell you you look like Bruce Willis? Anyone ever tell you that? <laughs> why are you like jumping around? Why are you moving? Why is there you like all squiggly lines and stuff? Anyway, um, I, I this is bad. Am I, I'm going to be on TV because you can't find anyone else who's nearby and you don't want to walk a block away and try to find someone who's capable of giving you a coherent thought. I thought that was a coherent thought. It was it relatively was, it was coherent. Slurred. Sorry, but when you say it goes from two to three, yeah, I know how like numbers work. <laughs> we, we got it. You know what happens after three, four, 
and then five, and then six. Yeah. But we have to skip eight. Why? Because seven, eight, nine. No, we skip nine. What's the joke? <sighs> that thing. Oh, my God. No dot connecting, right? Nope, none. I read the story, and again, kudos for covering this. But there is this belief from some of the media, I think, the ones who are at least acting in good faith, that people will connect the dots on their own, that someone will say, man, that sounds like this happened yesterday. Oh, it's a different one? This is the seventh time it happened? We get these stories every day. Every single day. Have we had one in the last month? A day that we didn't have a story like this? I can't think of one. Seriously, I, I'm not I'm not being facetious here. I honestly do not think at all. We've had a day in which I came to you and said, actually, wow, today we didn't have a car being driven into a business. Well, that would be news if there was it a day. honestly would. Again, I'm not joking here. It, that would actually be news. Hey, look, today we actually had a... A, a full 24-hour time period in which no one drove a stolen Kia or Hyundai or Hyundai into a a, a storefront. It, it's true. Seriously, it is truly remarkable. And unless you change the law, unless you change the lawmakers, well, guess what? This is going to continue to happen over and over and over again. And at some point, at some point, it will impact you or someone you know and love or someone you know and hate. But still, you're going to have that connection. And maybe if it happens to someone you hate, you're probably going to turn a blind eye and pretend <laughs> it didn't happen. But at some point, it is going to be someone you know and love or stomach. And it's going to start shifting the way you think. And maybe not directly the people who are listening right now, because I'm assuming you're on the right side of this. But to my my hate listeners, the hate listens out there, get it together, man. Push the button. What's trending? Media bias. David Portnoy from Barstool. You either like him or you hate him. I hate him. Right. I, I don't particularly like him, but today I became a huge fan of his. So he got wind that one of his pizza fests, he does the whole pizza thing. Yeah, we got it. I eat one bite and I judge it. Okay, I guess it's a good gimmick. He's got a pizza fest coming up and it's sponsored. And he found out that the Washington Post was preparing a hit piece on him by going after the advertisers and saying, hey, David Portnoy, even though he can't pronounce misogynist, he's a total misogynist. Are you comfortable giving him money? Give us a comment, please. And they didn't reach out to David Portnoy. So one of the sponsors forwarded the email that he got from one of the reporters. And so he ends up confronting her over the phone, recording the entire thing. Now, it's a 12-minute clip. We're obviously not going to play 12 minutes. But I do want to play a good portion of this because I think this is precisely the way people should deal with reporters who act in bad faith, who already know exactly what they want to write, who probably have already written it before even reaching out to you for a comment because they don't care what you have to say. They already know what they're going to do. This is Emily. Hey, Emily. This is Dave Portnoy calling. Uh, I'm recording you right now, but I've noticed a bunch of people. You're, it seems like you're sending. We have this pizza fest happening on Saturday, and you're reaching out to our advertisers, and you're basically sending an email that says to the effect, 
Dave's a misogenic racist. Do you want to defend yourselves advertising at this event, right? I'm sorry. What's your name, Dave? I'm sorry. Who are you? I'm the guy you're writing the article about. Dave Who's Portnoy. this? Oh, Dave, Dave what? Portnoy. Oh, oh, Dave Good. Portnoy. Good. No, I'm not. I'm not. I haven't said anything like that. I'm well, I, I can. I can read if you want. Yes, do it. If read you it. want, I can read, read what you actually sent. I read have it. it. She just said yeah, she didn't yeah, do it. Read, read it. I, I sent a bunch of notes, so I want to make sure I know which one. Okay. Uh, we are planning to write about the festival and how and how some of the sponsors and participants have drawn criticism by seemingly to associate themselves with Dave Portnoy, who has a history of misogenic comments and other problematic Sorry, behavior. Please. I want to make sure that Blank had a chance to respond to this since the company is the most prominent and their partners of his festival. Oh, that's the one I sent to which was definitely the most pointed of them because I really did want them to respond and I was hoping to get something from them. Do you think that's fair? Like, I, I totally disagree with the assertions of what you said, that misogenic and all that stuff. So, like, it kind of backs people into a corner. So I'm happy to go over anything. I mean, you have – that is pretty pointed. You said you didn't do it. Then I have the exact evidence of you doing it. So no, I didn't say I didn't do that. That I did. That was the one that was the most. Well, no, you, you that before I before I provided proof, you said you didn't really remember doing that, and then I read it to you, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I did it that one time." So you did do it. Um, I'm happy to talk about the comments because to me, it's kind of like torturous interference. Like we're doing an event, everyone's happy about the event. I, uh, you know, I've raised fifty million for small business. I've helped pizza. None of that. It's Dave's misogenic and problematic, and I'm happy to talk about it because to me, nobody would like. If someone's going around sending that email to their sponsors, and again, you're not like questioning, you're, you're, it's almost like a statement of fact. This is what I am. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I do want to talk to you about this. Oh, do you? You sound um, uncomfortable. And I just want you to know that <laughs> the story I'm working on, I'm working on with a colleague, um, and I want to kind of loop him on this because we did want to talk to you. And we were when, were you when were you going to reach out? We are planning on doing it tomorrow morning, but... Um, so you're going to write the article and then give me... Like, I've had that a bunch. People write no, a full no, article and then give me the points no, no, after. We're doing a bunch of, no, we're doing a bunch of reporting, and we wanted to make sure that when we finally did talk to you, we could really kind of present what, <laughs> you know, or talk about things more fully based on... Uh -huh. Like what? what like, it got. sounds like you have your opinion made of me based on no, that email. No, no. She very clearly does. By the way, her name is Emily Heil. She very clearly has an opinion. When you send an email like she did, making declaratory statements, we now know what the framing is. The framing of the story is going to be David Portnoy is a misogynist, he's controversial, and you are giving him money as a sponsor. How could you live with yourself? That's the framing. We know that because she telegraphs it very clearly in her email. Now, I do this for a living. I reach out to people for comment often. There are two types of stories that you can write and two approaches you can take to those stories as it relates to doing an interview with someone who might be the subject. Story number one is you know something bad happened. You're uncovering something like a misappropriation of funds, uh, an allegation of sexual harassment, whatever it is. And it is an exclusive. You then reach out to people for comment about it, including if they're the subject, late, late, late into it. You already have all the facts. 
Now, if you don't have all the facts, then you don't do it that way. Then you do what she's claiming that she was doing, which is, um, you know, we're doing some of the reporting. You can do lots of reporting beforehand and then wait until the end to talk to the subject. Yeah, that's totally legitimate. Unless you've already framed the story. They're not looking for information. They're looking for inform- for, for quotes to put around their already preconceived notions. That's the difference. You don't go to the person until the last minute unless you know there's a risk that they will try to get ahead of the story, that they will call the person out, that they might leak it to someone else. That's how it works. But when you're truly just doing some basic reporting, you don't frame things the way that she did. And he calls her out again, specifically on the framing there. Listen to the way she defends this tactic. Because I was hoping for a dialogue with them. You know, sometimes you have to say something like, this is like, you know, it's sort of a reporting tactic when you want someone to respond. You kind of have to indicate that there might be something negative. No, actually, that's not quite how it works. You're direct. That's it. You ask your direct question. That's how it's supposed to work. Now, I do, again, I do this for a living. I will respond to, I I will send an email, certainly wanting them to respond, but I don't lie in that. I tell them what I'm looking for. I don't beat around the bush. I'm pretty direct. Now, when I'm sending an email to someone in that capacity, you know you're in trouble. 97% of the time, if I'm sending you an email and I'm asking you for a comment on the story that I'm working on, it's going to be negative. (laughs) <laughs> I, I people know that because those are the kinds of story. This is a show that tries to keep people accountable. And so if I'm emailing you 97% of the time, it's because you are someone I'm trying to hold accountable or you know someone who I'm trying to hold accountable. So that small 3% of the time, it's, hey, I'm working on this story. I need some background here. You can provide it and give it some context. Or you're the subject of my story. Here's exactly what I'm working on. Here's what I would like you to answer. I did that today. I did that today to someone right before coming on the air. Here's what I'm working on. I'd like to get your comments by tomorrow at 6 o'clock because I'm working on a story. No surprises. They know exactly what I'm looking for. They know exactly what the framing of the story is going to be, what my concern might be. But when you do that, it's because you're being open and upfront. What she was doing with those advertisers was being open up front, and now she's lying about it. Now she's lying. There's not a tactic where you lie and say, oh, I just want them to think I'm going to be negative so they react. That's not ethical. If, if that's truly her strategy, then it's not ethical. And then you get them to engage. That's all I was trying to do. I really wanted them to engage with me. That is a sad state of journalism if that's a tactic that you have to, what I would say is make up something about somebody. There might, be some, there might be something negative. And so you want to give people a chance to respond and have a conversation <laughs> with you. Horrible. That's what I was trying to do. But and at the same example, time, you're saying you don't know that that's actually truth. So you're, you're leading with something that you haven't done enough research to know if it's valid. And it goes on and on. Eventually, he says, look, okay, I'll talk to you. I'll do your interview tomorrow at 10. And she says, okay, fine. Tomorrow at 10, you got a date. And we're going to eat pizza. But then he just tweeted about 17 minutes ago. He said he she canceled and she tried to push it to later in the day, which goes to his point, which is, yeah, you're pushing it later in the day because you want to drop this story that's already written 
on Friday and you don't want to give me enough time to go back online and tell people the questions you were just asking me. Unbelievable. Don't like him. I find him to be a little bit annoying. He's got that New York attitude that I just don't quite like. I don't like barstool.com or whatever it is now. He's a, He seems like a smart guy or at least savvy guy. Yeah. I, I just don't personally enjoy him. He just won me over. I'm now willing to eat one bite of a pizza. But so obviously her tactics are wrong and how she's going about it. But I mean, is she wrong for trying to paint him as a bad guy? If she's pretending that that wasn't the intent, which is what she did. She could come out and say, look, you're a controversial figure. I find you to be misogynistic. So do others. And I want to know if that came to anyone's mind when they decided to, you know, give you money. Right. If she was up front, but that's not what she's she's pretending that she's going to offer a, a fair and balanced look at whatever the controversy she's creating is. She's creating this controversy. She's yeah. the one making this up. There, there's not a single person out there who's saying, wow, can you believe it? So-and-so is is sponsoring Pizza Fest with David Portnoy, and he's a horrible misogynist. No one's saying that. She's not reacting to something. She's the one who is leading the narrative. She created the story. She created the controversy. So it, it is in, entirely within his right to call this out. She has no leg to stand on. She is editorializing. But she wants you to pretend she wants you to believe that she's totally upfront and legit and this is going to be fair. Sorry, no. And this is why people don't trust the media. This is CNN telling you, "Oh no, we're totally fair to all those fascist Republicans. All of them are awful white supremacists. We are totally fair." Yeah, we know exactly what you're standing for. It's nonsense. So good on David Portnoy. Seriously, good on him. Glad he said something. KTTH.com. Go there now. We're selling VIP tickets to the Freedom Series on October 24th. We are now well over half sold out of what we allotted for VIP tickets. You can check out all the details on what that entails at KTTH.com. The UAW has announced it might begin striking at some additional plans if they plants if they don't make any progress by the end of this week with Ford, GM, and Stellantis joining me on the line to explain what all of this means and really the impact it's going to have on the economy is our friend Fox Business correspondent Lauren Simonetti. Welcome back to the show. Hey Jason. Thanks God, for having me. God bless them that they think that they should get 40 40- percent increases from like that just seems insane to me uh, where where do things what, stand you didn't get a 40 percent raise is that am i not crazy how does that play with just everyday <laughs> yeah. americans I, I know i know you know i do have some sympathy for the auto sure. workers that are striking because they made so many concessions back in 2007, 2008, and they're dealing with the fact that they're making these electric vehicles that, quite frankly, they cannot afford to even buy as a consumer in an industry where the administration's push to green and electric vehicles is going to put them almost out of work because EVs don't require as many workers. So they're bold, they're loud, they saw what happened with the American Airlines pilots and with the Teamsters Union at UPS. So they want more. But you are right, 40% is absolutely nuts. And right now what's happening is they get 
um, there's a strike fund. Mm-hmm. It's about 800 plus million dollars. So these workers, because they're on strike, are getting $500 a week. Can you survive on $500 a week with the family? Yeah, how long you can, can they take go? a second? Exactly. Well, you can take a second job, but the most you can make in that second job is $499. So can a family survive leading up to Christmas? getting all the Christmas presents for the family, et cetera, on $1,000 a week, should this have legs? Someone's going to break first, and my gut right now is it's the union. And let me tell you why. Not only is the 40% pay raise crazy, General Motors just laid off 2,000 workers. Mm-hmm. They've idled a plant in Kansas. That plant was not on strike, but it was supplied by a plant in Missouri that was on strike. This is General Motors flexing its muscles. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, when you look at just the power dynamic between the two and the strategy, there's clearly not at this point any danger to the auto industry, not in the moment. There's not a a run on cars or not a lot of people. The fact of the matter is the economic conditions for the average American right now who cannot afford a, a new car probably plays in the favor of the the big three, right? I mean, if, if everyone all of a sudden was rushing to go out and buy a car, well, then all of a sudden things might be a little bit different. But without that kind of pressure, you know, if I'm the big three automakers, I'm going to push this as long as I can before it really hurts. And, you know, you're thinking about the long-term pain here. And you're looking at that dwindling fund and the fact that people can't stay out of work on $500 a, a week. I mean, the Ford CEO, Jim Farley, is already talking the B word, bankruptcy. If they gave the union most everything that they want, they wouldn't survive, period. Regardless of what consumer demand is, the winners out of this might be Tesla, might be Mm -hmm. the automakers who set up shop in the non-union southern part of the country. Uh, You know, Georgia governor, the Republican, Brian Kemp, is saying, look, this labor strike is the consequence of blue state economic policies. Mm -hmm. And then if you look on the campaign trail, hey, the the two uh, Republican contenders from the state of South Carolina, uh, Tim Scott and Nikki Haley, are saying fire the workers. Fire the workers because, you know, do do what Ronald Reagan did back in 1981 when the air traffic controllers went on strike. He fired them, which is so ironic because guess what happens one week from today? The second Republican debate where is it the ronald reagan presidential (laughs) library in california we'll be uh airing that debate live right here on ktth starting at 6 p.m and then of course doing some post-debate analysis afterwards you know you've got donald trump headed over to detroit next week Uh, presumably this is going to be entirely focused on this current predicament you have the uaw president not a fan of donald trump Politically, how do you think this plays for Republicans? Again, I can't help but think when you tell the average person they're asking for 40 percent pay increase, if you're targeting that ask versus what the Democrats are doing and, 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 you know, pretending that that's reasonable, I think it just benefits the Republicans. In a sense, yes. But I do think you get the sympathy that. Look, I mean, these these workers in an inflationary environment, I mean, they, they just they, they are struggling to get by and they feel like the, the climate green push of the administration is is jeopardizing their their well-being and, and their, their job security, if you will. Um, I think it's interesting that the union has 
not endorsed either side. Mm -hmm. They haven't endorsed Donald Trump and they haven't endorsed Joe Biden. Joe Biden, while being the most pro-union president, has never walked a picket line. Why isn't he in Michigan? In fact, he was expected and said he would send a two-person team to Detroit this week. But now they're just monitoring everything remotely. But, Lauren, he's wearing a red tie today. He wore a red tie today in in honor of of the UAW strike. You're so clever. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, no, he did that intentionally. That was uh, put out there by his team. I think it's the the most arduous part of his day today is wearing that tie. No, I saw oh, that boy. Jackie Heinrich uh, reported it earlier today, saying that that uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, today, President Biden is wearing a red tie in solidarity with UAW workers across the country. That's how he's giving back. <laughs> oh God! You know the other thing is, as, as I'm debating in my head, though, like who wins if, if there's going to be a winning side out of all mm-hmm. this? Most everybody's losers. You know, Trump came out and he said, "Well, it was a little bit. Of, well, it was a scare tactic because of." This strike, the upshot is going to be more cars and more EVs are, are made overseas. Yep. I, I get it. However, because of Biden's policies, they're rewarding companies that make green vehicles and employ American workers here in the United States. So I, I'm, I'm on the fence about who wins in the end. I'm thinking nobody. I think these union workers are, are not going to make the money that they want. They're stuck on $500 a week. And, you know, I, I think the automakers are going to suffer, too. And then all the ones who aren't striking are getting laid off. I think te- Tesla is the big winner mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah, there you go. Elon Musk seems to always come out on top. Uh, before we let you go, just real quickly on a separate issue, the, the Fed today, they held their interest rates steady. This is the second time this year. Where do you think things are headed? Obviously, we're still dealing with an inflationary market. I, was this expected? Uh, there was a 99.1% chance that the Fed would not hike rates today. So, yes, it was expected. I would say watch what they do, not what they say. What they did was nothing. What they say will be, oh, we're watching and seeing with the data and everything. But I'll tell you two things. Number one, this strike is inflationary because it, they might not get the 40% that they want, but they could get 20 plus percent. That's inflation. The Fed is trying to kick inflation in the butt. The second thing is because we're pivoting to EVs, oil prices way up. Goldman Sachs says they're going to hit $100 in the next 12 months. That means we're dealing with wage and energy price pressures for a month. What is the Fed going to do? They might have to continue to hike interest rates. Yeah, what people aren't talking about, particularly on the West Coast, because of certain laws that we have in the books here in Washington State, for example, not only do we have an incredibly high gas tax, but we have a carbon fee that's put on the energy producers. And we're already at $5.04 a gallon, second highest in the country. That's just going to continue to go up. And and it's just absolutely insane. It's the only time I'm looking over at you guys in New York and saying, oh, you know, $3.92 on average. That, That sounds pretty good to me. If you're here in Washington State or, frankly, anywhere on the West Coast. Yeah, it's a nightmare here. And then, you know what the the ironic thing is? Then the oil, the the fossil fuel, big bad oil companies, they get beaten up for not producing more. Why can't you produce more oil right now to bring prices down? It's like, dude, look at the situation. I was talking to two oil executives over the weekend, Mm -hmm. and one of them told me that a major firm out of New York City just cut their funding they pulled back on their support for his oil company because their shareholders are telling them get out of fossil fuels 
he sold his company. Wow. Because because the private equity funding dried up because the mm-hmm. shareholders are being pressured by the climate activists. So you know what? Goldman Sachs at $100 a barrel, I think they're right. Yeah, no, it certainly seems to be headed that way. If you can't get people to choose to go into the EV world, you basically have to force them. Lauren Simonetti, my friend from Fox Business, thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate it. So good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. You're listening to The Jason Ranch Show. Coming up next, The Quick Hits. The Jason Rant Show. Jason Rants, Seattle radio host, joins us now. Jason, you're the perfect guest on this. Jason Rants, welcome back, Jason. I see you often on other programs here. Jason, what's going on? Jason, thanks for coming on. The Quick Hit. Oh, everybody telling me thank you for coming on. Well, you're welcome. So I, I want to end the show or this hour today discussing what happened in Yakima. I am endlessly fascinated with the situation going on there where you have the mayor in some hot water with residents and activists because she decided to call 911 on folks who were collecting signatures for several initiatives. They were outside of the Walmart. There were no reports of that, that I've seen other than coming from the mayor, Janice Decio, Decchio that they were disruptive in any way, that they were any more annoying than you would say anybody asking for a signature is. I find them all annoying. Not even just the signature people, but I want to tell you about Planned Parenthood. Nope. I'm a walk away right now. And then they go, why? Why don't you want? Because I'm a conservative and I respect life. That's why. And then they spit on me. I made that last part up, but they probably wanted to. Well, now she's trying to defend herself. Just to give you a little bit of a reminder, a refresher on where things found themselves last week. Here's just a portion of that 911 call. 911. Hi, um, this is Mayor Decio. I I know that this isn't an emergency call, but I need to to talk to somebody. I've, I've emailed the chief. But, um, Do you know who I am? There's some far right-wing petitioners at Walmart. And they don't, right. they're not leaving after Walmart has asked them repeatedly to do so. And the police have not um, t- taken them off the premises. Now, by the way, I don't even know if what she just said is accurate, that Walmart asked them repeatedly. I don't know if that's true. And I have to imagine that Walmart also knows what the law is and they can't. Now, it, it would be different if they were interfering with shoppers, if they were on the premises, like if they went inside and started to wander the aisles shouting down people, hey, sign this petition. That's not what actually happened. Um, we did have a call of that earlier. Who is this? This is Mayor Decio. Okay. Um, let me let you talk to my supervisor, but I do know that the officers have let them know that they would have to have a court order. Yeah, because they allow other folks to use the premises where these folks were for other purposes. You're now in Washington State. It's protected to have this be afforded to folks for political purposes. Now, last night, there were a ton of people who apparently showed up to the Yakima City Council. Our friend Tim Iman, who was on the show yesterday, was one of them. But the the mayor, she knew she was in hot water. She knows she's getting pressured. She knows she has to address it. And so that's what she did. So I called 911, identified myself. Don't say 911. It's 911, okay? 
I cannot stand when people do that. And 9-11, no, you don't do 9-11. You don't do 4-11. You say 4-1-1. 3-11 is the only one because of a band. And told them it was not an emergency and that I needed to talk to someone who may know what was going on. It is in with my it was it is in my within my purview to call 911 when I have a question. Well, okay, so no, actually I don't know what that means this whole it's within my purview. Anyone can call 911, but when it's not an emergency, you are wasting their time. You said you sent an email to the chief. You don't have a phone number for the police chief? You're the mayor of Yakima. But this whole oh, it's in my purview to call you're not afforded any special privileges with 911 because you're the mayor. You know that, right? Or you don't know that. You think that because you're the mayor, you can call 911 for anything you want. Hey, I need uh, reservations at my favorite restaurant tonight. Operator, can you connect me? Ma'am, this is 911. Oh, no. I don't think you heard me. I, I'm the mayor. I, I, I'm a, This is well within my purview. I'm on the executive board of Yacht Corp. Ooh. So I'm well aware of how the 9-11 system works. Well, unless you can't. I admit I was unaware of all the nuances of the law at the time, though, and in hindsight, I could have waited to hear from the chief. But I did know that if petitioners were harassing or interfering with shoppers, the business Not could true. ask them to move. Yeah, if that I happened, just wasn't maybe. aware that it took a court order. Oh, I just wasn't aware it took a court order. I never asked the police to go to Walmart or demanded that they do anything. Well, that was your intent, though, right? You, that clearly was the intent. We just heard the clip. No one told the group that they couldn't petition, and it was certainly not my intention to stop them. Well, see, that's a lie. That is, of course, a total lie. Why else would you call 911? You were wondering why they weren't being removed. That was your intent. You wanted them to be removed, these far right wingers, which is, of course, not even what it was that they were doing. It's not far right wing. This is endorsed by the GOP of the state. These are initiatives like one to get rid of the carbon tax, the carbon fee. Oh, those far right wingers. And of course, then she pivots to pretend that somehow she is now a victim and others are victims. Unfortunately, my fellow council members have also been flooded with emails about this on our council email. Nearly all of the emails are from people from outside of Yakima. Some of these writers have even gone as far as saying, I requested tear gas and a police raid. So this has been conflated to new heights, as these things often do when inaccurate perspectives are reported. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is my statement, and this is all I'm going to say about this. And this is all I will say about this. That's the kind of response you get from someone who doesn't care what you think. She just wants to go on record, but she doesn't want to have to answer any questions. Because what you just heard there were filled with inaccuracies based on the phone call. And if she doesn't think that it is fair to call that out, then she should answer some questions. Period. Now, the council moved to censure her. Here's Councilmember Patricia Byers. So Mayor Detail's actions on September the 3rd are a violation of the city's council, city council's code of ethics, an abuse of emergency services, and a troubling display of lack of understanding of the Constitution she swore to uphold. She's 100% correct, right? She's 100% correct. So what's going on there? You either know what you're doing or you don't. And she pretended that she did up until a point. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as far as I can tell, based on this report from Kima TV, there was only one council member who came to the mayor's defense. 
and it's ludicrous because the council member Sonia Lund, I believe that your intent was to come up with a solution for the manager of Walmart, but that wasn't the intent unless you believe that the solution she wanted to come up with was removing these people. Then I believe you because that was the intent based upon that phone call. I don't know how anyone can claim otherwise. Seriously. You had some people who showed up for public comment overwhelmingly calling her out, but there were a few people who were like, she was worried about people's safety. No, she wasn't. She didn't indicate that. That's ridiculous. And Tim Iman called her out just saying, you're lying. You're lying. And I think that she is lying there. Here's one resident who showed up. He was not pleased. <laughs> or she was not pleased, excuse me where things were. It not only reveals our mayor doesn't have the basic understanding of our freedoms, but it also telling that she lacks awareness for the authority that she has and the authority that she does not have. Oh, no, but Holly, that's her name. It's in her purview to call 911. What a joke. What an absolute joke. I don't know why folks think they can get away with this. And more concerning to me, Just apologize and stop justifying or defending. You know what you did was wrong. You know what you did was wrong. It was objectively wrong. So just acknowledge that. And I'm not even saying it was objectively wrong from her perspective for calling 911, but she was objectively wrong in thinking that anything can be done without that court order which are not easy to get given the free speech implications based upon our laws in Washington state and the protections in these cases. This whole idea that, oh, no, I'm actually the victim because it got other people to send us emails and they're mean. They're mean emails. But what was your call? Was it mean? Are you going to apologize to the people that you label far right wing? Seriously, you just throw around those terms. They don't mean anything anymore. All she means there is that she disagreed with the petitioners, disagreed with the initiatives. That's it. Far right wingers. What gives you the impression that they were far right wingers? And as Tim Iman pointed out, they were paid signature gatherers. Far right wingers? She just smears conservatives anytime she wants, and she thinks that that's going to get her some extra, uh, I don't know, special treatment from 911 and that maybe the public will give her a pass. No, you shouldn't get a pass. You should be censured. 1-800-465-8770 for your texts. You're listening to The Jason Rancho.